Well, welcome again, all of you, to Bethel Church, and welcome to those of you who are watching online. We trust that those of you who are local will feel safe and be able to join us here. Nothing quite like being together with God's people, and we're grateful for those of you who, for other reasons, have joined us from far away. We trust that you'll be a blessing. We'll be a blessing to you, and you'll be a blessing in your local church. When I was a young dad, we had, Lois and I, we had four boys and four girls, and it was such a delight to spend time with them. One of the ways that I spent time with them was I would take them hospital calling with me, because that's a real good time. And uh, one, one uh, week, I took Heidi, one of our daughters, she was little, uh, on a hospital call, and I would always try to make it, uh, do something fun afterward. And so we would get ice cream, or we'd get a bagel, or we'd get breakfast on the way, and this particular day, we were over in West Michigan on the lake and we found a little bookstore and we went into this bookstore and we found a book called Cottages of the Great Lakes. Delightful book. It's one of those coffee table books with all these beautiful pictures and a bit of uh, prose sprinkled in. Every page of the book had a beautiful picture of a cottage in the Great Lakes region. It was just a beautiful book and I noticed that my daughter Heidi was interested in it and she paid attention so I turned to the first page and that day we turned every page of the entire book and I don't know why but I still have the warmest memory of that time spent with my little girl looking at every page of that beautiful book and the feeling that I had when I closed the book was you know what it is, right? I'm so sad this book is over because I liked looking at every page of that book. I feel that way today. You've been such a good group. I know you love the Lord. I know you love the Bible. You know, over a year ago, we started through the book of Revelation and the, and the great vision that John had of the risen Christ and then of the churches. And then we were interrupted and we went and did church on the roof which was really kind of fun and then we did church outside which was interesting and then we gathered back and if you remember the first week we went back into the revelation and i commend you for sitting with me and looking at every page of this beautiful book postmoderns people that live in our time overall have questioned or even rejected philosoph the philosophers of the postmodern time have kind of rejected the possibility that there's a big overarching story that we fit into they call it the meta narrative and they they reject the meta narrative and what's a little bit humorous about that is so many of them reject it that that's a story in itself in other words they've replaced the old big picture of the world the, the story that we're living in with a story with a new story so really you can't escape the the, the meta narrative, the big story. The Bible is the most amazing book ever written in the history of the world. The 66 books of the Bible were written over 1,500 years by 40 different human authors. The men came from a wide range, if, if a girl didn't write Hebrews, the men came from a wide range of historical eras, geographical settings, political and cultural perspectives, levels of literacy, occupations, family backgrounds, and human personalities. Various parts of the Bible were written on three different continents of the world. So this remarkable book contains more than 500 stories 
involves nearly 3,000 characters, and yet beautifully interwoven from cover to cover through all the Bible's various stories is one big story, one overarching narrative, one meta-narrative. The big story is an attention-grabbing, clear, intriguing plot, strong, interesting central character, many diverse and colorful supporting characters, numerous mysteries that are unveiled along the way, and a dramatic and climactic ending. It's a story that begins wonderfully, then goes terribly wrong, and ultimately ends in unimaginable glory. This story is not a myth, it's not a fantasy, it is truth, it is God's truth, it is reality, and it involves each of us. One way of looking at life is to say this, the most important thing that any of us can do in our life is to find our place in the story of God and never lose it. No one can consider themselves truly educated or informed who doesn't know the basic plot line of the Bible. People who carefully study the Bible recognize that in it a satisfactory answer for the nagging universal human need that all of us feel. To really understand the Bible demands an overview. So this month we've been enjoying a study of the last two chapters of this amazing God-breathed book. It's the climax of the big story. So in our text today, an angel is showing John, the holy city, the wife of the Lamb. In the context of the original reader and the original author, the original audience, the first hearers, would have had in mind the destruction of Jerusalem, the horrifying destruction of Jerusalem and all that meant to them. It would have been a heartbreaking thing. And now today, when you, if you were to go to Jerusalem, you would find it literally not destroyed like it was then, but you would find that the one word that characterizes Jerusalem today, when Lois and I visited there, this is the way it was. You would characterize Jerusalem by saying it's not destroyed, but it's divided. It literally is divided into quarters. And there's a, it's an amazing place to visit, and it's a very tense place to visit. And, but the picture that we see of the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven is Jerusalem descending like a jewel out of heaven, like a gold and diamond city out of heaven. This is the new Jerusalem. This is the ultimate universe. And I want to show you five things you're never going to want to forget about it today from this brief passage of Scripture that we have selected as our text from chapter 21. Verses 22 through 27, five things. One, there'll be no temple in the, in the New Jerusalem. What will heaven be like? What will the ultimate universe be like? There'll be no temple. Now, the garden was kind of the first temple where God manifested his glory, and he walked there among men and women. He manifested his glory later in the tabernacle. And, and to be with God, there was a sense of go to the tabernacle and be with God. And then he manifested his glory in the temple. And if you read the stories of the temple that was built, Solomon's temple, you literally have a visitation of the glory of God in the temple. And then you know, later on in prophetic literature, you see the glory of God departing the temple, as if that's a big thing, because it is. It's the glory, the glory of God and the temple presence of God are this main theme in the Bible that starts in the garden, and it's in the tabernacle, and it's in the temple. And in our age, in the age of the church, guess what the temple of the living God is in the age of the church? Guess what it is? Sometimes people will say, it's me. 
But that kind of be that kind of belies an individualistic reading of the Bible, which is inaccurate. It, the Bible doesn't say my body, my own personal body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's more like the Bible says our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, what the Bible teaches is that this is constant theme of the temple glory presence of God is always present on earth in some form in the garden in the tabernacle in the temple and in the gatherings of the new testament church isn't that interesting god has promised to manifest the power of his holy spirit his temple glory presence when people gather together in obedience to god to teach the word to pray to have communion to have baptism churches gathered saints whether they're large or small whether they have a large edifice or whether they're just a little gathering in a home are the are the place of the temple presence of god a special unique working of god where people gather in his name like that this is not a small thing but in the future in the ultimate world in the ultimate universe the whole thing will be one big temple that manifests the glory presence of god isn't that amazing i was in i was in it's amazing to me i think but but that's just me we were in uh, jerusalem and we visited the the wailing wall and of course that's kind of a big deal everybody's like we're at the wailing wall now and they said what do you want to do and everyone went up the wailing wall you would see people that would be writing prayers on little pieces of paper and tucking them into the cracks and tucking these pieces of paper into the cracks on the wailing wall and praying you'd see jewish people you'd see christian people multitudes of people gathered it was kind of frenetic it was interesting of course you have the the dome of the rock at the mosque of omar you have the muslim presence up on the top of the temple mount and then you have the remnants of the temple and the old wailing wall the, this i had a i had kind of mixed feelings about it because the sense was everybody's supposed to go and because this is a special place as if god's going to especially answer my prayer because i'm here at the wailing wall and though we recognize that god recognizes the devotion of people and their love for him the bible doesn't say that the special presence of god is at that wailing wall what the bible says right now is that the special presence the glory presence working of god to manifest himself in power that has the ability to transform our lives is present when the church gathers when god's people even two or three or when large groups of people covenanted under god gather to, to do his work that's where he manifests his presence that's where kids get saved and baptized amen that's where the spirit of god moves upon people and they follow the lord god is at work there that's where god helps you change in the way you need to change like it says in second corinthians we all with open face beholding as in the mirror of the glory of god are changed into the same image from one level of glory to another it is the manifestation of who god is and our attendance to that our worship of that our are seeing that with the eyes of the heart are admiring that with the deepest part of us that transforms that changes us into the image of god and that happens in a special way when god's people gather this is the temple presence of, but then the temple the whole thing will be a temple for the glory of the of god and by the way the biblical a couple of biblical references you should hear first corinthians 3 16 says don't you know that you yourself plural are god's temple and that god's spirit lives within you if anyone destroys god's temple god will destroy him god's temple is sacred and you all are that temple ephesians 2 19 through 22 again use the same references literally saying the people the gathered people of god are the temple of god where god especially manifests his presence glory 
Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. This is Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 to 22. Saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple to the Lord, in whom also you are built together for a dwelling place of God the Spirit. Here's another way to say it. God the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do, and all that he does is good. You want the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do in you. Amen? You wouldn't be here if you didn't believe that, I don't think. Unless you're just a curious seeker, that's okay. I heard a guy this week say, here's a, here's a prow- powerful, life-changing prayer. Three words, come Holy Spirit. I thought, wow. I was at my desk, I was studying and praying and thinking, and heard the guy say that. Right. So I leaned my chair back and lifted my hands to God and said, come Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living within them, but the manifestation of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the working of the Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, all those things, we can welcome their work into us. So we want to do what God says to do in order to experience the glory, presence, power, transformative work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what is promised here. So... When the Bible says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, the Almighty, and the Lamb. It's like a great culmination of all that God had in mind, that one day we would be where God's glory never stops shining. And among us today, Jesus manifests his glory. So it's our job to press into the kingdom. It's our job to be the people of the kingdom, to see what God is doing and and what God is up to. These citizens having our citizenship there, our loyalty there, in God's kingdom. And, and, and it's important that we recognize that, that we don't get angry or narrow or hateful towards people who are not yet God's friends. Because it's out of those people that are the enemies of God that he will win his friends. And if we see them as the enemy, instead of as victims of the enemy, then that will distort our message to them. That will distort our mission to them. It's not a kingdom mission. They need to see, if it means that we pull in our horns and we don't go fussing all the time or posting everything we think on social media all the time, but, but we get a list of people who are not yet friends of Christ and we befriend them and show them the love of Christ and we win a hearing for a gospel conversation that God then, a person, a heart at a time, will bring people from enemies to his friends and then of course they'll believe right about the things they're supposed to believe. You won't have to beat them over the head then. So the first thing is that you never want to forget is in this New Jerusalem and in the ultimate universe, there will be no temple because the whole thing will be a temple for the honor of God, for the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Second thing you don't want to forget is there will be no sun or no moon in the New Jerusalem. My daughter Hope and I were talking about that this week, and she said, why? Sometimes I have trouble with that. I'm like, well, you know, because you love the beauty of the 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 moon and and who doesn't uh the moon over the lake or the moon shining through the windows you know at night uh there's something hauntingly beautiful about who made that well that's just a reflection of the of the beauty and glory of the sun and the one who made that can make something infinitely more beautiful and more fetching and more wonderful and he and he will and so there'll be he'll the, the the bible says in verse 23 the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light, 
and its length is the lamb. That's some beautiful poetry there. The glory of God lights this ultimate city, and the lamp of the city is the lamb, God himself. They say the Olympic torch went out one day. Did you hear this? They were running with the Olympic torch, it went out. Somebody said, you know, seriously, got a light? Seriously. A guy comes up with a Zippo, and they, they relit the Olympic torch. That really happened. I make things up, but that, that really happened. Yeah. Can you imagine that? In, the, in, in this city that we're talking about, that nobody's going to need to relight the lights. There's just power in this. And this is a big thing in, in the Bible. Moses literally glowed when he was in the presence of the after parts of God. And we will too someday. I, I like to think, every, can I talk to men for a second? It's true for women, but I, I just want to talk to the men. Men, here's why you should have a time every day that you think specifically about the Lord. And you know, like you're in your truck, you're listening to some Bible, or you're having a quiet time on a porch, or you're eating your ocean, drinking your coffee, and you're reading the scripture. Because here's what's happening. You're going, in, in a sense, into the presence of the Lord. And then his glory is on you, the godness of God, because you admire him and you worship him. Then that's, that's on you. Then you go back into your world, and your wife sees, hmm. Your kids say, hmm. There's something about, something like the Lord about him. He has the compassion of Jesus. He has the mercy of Jesus. He has the conviction of God. The, the, he's got the glory of God on him. He's glowing. Dad is glowing. That, that's, that's, man, that's the essence of manhood, is a man is the glory. That's what the Bible says. A man is the glory of God. And a, and a wife reflects whether a man has that glory. says it in 1 Corinthians. It's kind of interesting. But that's a subject for another day. Daniel chapter 12 says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Doug, gone. Lauren, can, that ministry you guys are doing down there, I'm going to pick on you all day and embarrass you here, but just not, did, you, did you say that there were like 9,000? Kids that profess faith in Christ in the ministry. Yeah, so I was like, whoa, that's it. But still, so you don't know, only God knows, but what a number that, that in heaven, you, you know, I, your, your imagination runs wild in kids and say, thanks for, for doing what you did, you know, because that's how I met the Lord. Okay, I'm just trying to think, how, what are you doing that in, in, in your life that, that's, that's more exciting or more valuable or more important than nudging people toward Jesus so that they'll have life everlasting? What's more exciting than that? Oh, hockey is great, but what hockey game ever matches that? <laughs> Nothing. That's why it says, those who turn many to righteous will shine like the stars forever and ever. Matthew 13, 43, the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. In Psalm 104, God clothes himself in light. Psalm, Matthew 17, Jesus showed his glory to a few disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Paul had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus. The light knocked him off of his ride, blinded him with light greater than the sun. This language is drawn from the beautiful prophecy of Isaiah 60. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, or nor the brightness shall be the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be, will, will be to you an everlasting light. Your God, your glory, your sun shall no longer do, go down, nor shall the moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. Also, your people will be righteous, and they will inherit the land forever. What am I saying? 
What I'm saying is, according to the Bible, if you know the Lord, you have a very bright future. Gloriously bright. On a dark day, remember that. When darkness presses in on you, remember that. When Christ was born, Gentile kings, the Bible says, came to his light, a symbolic prefiguring of this amazing and eternal destiny of Jesus, the light, the Lamb, who's the light of glory forever. <laughs> I, we, we can't even imagine what that's like. It'll be beyond our ability to describe that. I have a friend whose name was Jim. It still is. Jim Kinnibley, his wife, Debbie, passed away. She, she had cancer, died kind of young. Jim was talking to me on the phone one day, and he said, I'm just having a lot of trouble with this. I'm having a lot of trouble with this. He said, a pastor said something that helped me, though. I said, what did he say? He said, Jim, what do you think Debbie's doing right now? He goes, well, I know she's worshiping the Lord. He said, can I just suggest to you that kind of like looking on the same moon, if you want a sense of nearness to Debbie, do what Debbie's doing right now and worship the Lord. And that's beautiful pastoral advice, isn't it? I don't know what is twisting you up right now. I don't know what is hard for you. I don't know what you're facing or I don't know what your doubts are. I don't know what's going on in your life. I do know that we live in a, in a broken world and the brokenness goes right into every single one of us and all of our families and all the places that we work. But the one thing that's powerfully orienting is to worship, is to see that God is worth, is the highest worth, to acknowledge that, there's, there's power in that. So there'll be no temple in Jerusalem because the whole thing's a temple. There'll be no moon or sun because Jesus is the light and we have a bright future. And there'll be no rivals for the glory of Christ there. Look at verses 24 and 25. By its, this is pretty cool. <laughs> By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. Verse 26, they will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. So verses 24 and 26 in particular. Let me, look, let me read them again and notice what it says about the nations. Because it's kind of mysterious. It's kind of enigmatic. What is this? This, this great nation of whom Jesus is king has other nationalities, other cultures represented somehow? 24, the light, by its light, will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. This is into the new Jerusalem, which the gates are never closed, right? And verse 26, they will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Think about this for a minute. Uh, we, uh, we will travel, I believe, like angels from our place on the new earth to our dwelling place in the new Jerusalem, this 1,400-mile square city. In, in, this is, uh, I'm extrapolating, here's, here's a biblically sound theory that I have. You have a place on earth, and then you go up to Jerusalem from time to time. Special Bible conference on steroids or something. Uh, camp with no bugs. I, I don't know, just like Jesus is there, and the food is awesome, and the people that love the Lord, and the worship music is just unbelievable. 
And you can just dial up whatever experience you ever had in worship, and you felt you sort of had that epic connection, only you're in the presence of God, and we're all together. And, and, and in that house are many places to dwell, which we have a place kind of like, you know, some of you rich people, you have a place here, and you have a place in Florida. You know who you are. And you go here, and then when it gets, like, cold, you scamper off to Florida. We don't hate you for that. Um, no, not at all. We're glad you can do that. You have a place here, you have a place there. I, I, I don't know. I, that's my theory. It's, it's but anyway, we do know this. We do know that, that people from all around the world are going to be coming into this. And it says, and the kings are going to come, and the people are going to, the nations are going to bring their glory into it. When I was a boy, we, we went to a Bible conference as a kid. My parents really wanted us to go to this Bible conference, and we were all excited about it. Back then, you wore a suit and tie, you know, to every day of the Bible conference, and you carried a Schofield reference Bible, leather. That's what you did. They would kick you out if you didn't have that. Well, not really, but, you know. And my parents didn't have a lot of money, so they, did, they couldn't rent a really fancy place. They, they, we decided we would go camping in a tent. And then, so if you can imagine the humor of it, you got this Baptist pastor's family in a tent, and then getting dressed in your suits and tie. You making fun of me, Daniel? And then getting our Bibles, and we would trick. Can you imagine you're, you're camping out, and here's this, Little Baptist fundamentalist kids with little Bibles and little short haircuts going out of the tent, you know, over <laughs> into the car. And we went off to this great conference because my parents wanted us to enjoy that conference. And I remember it well. I remember the preaching. I remember the singing. I remember my dad gave me a little money. I got to go buy a book on evangelism from the table. And I remember one day it rained really hard and our tent fell down. And when we got back to the tent that night, it was just a, all of our stuff was wet. And so we had to go into a wet tent. And it was our little earthly experience of trying to go up to Jerusalem. But one day, the travel will be like, like angels and, and the place will be like a diamond city and the glory of God will be all over it. And, be like that. and, and uh, if I see, you, you talk about a enriching place to go and to, and to visit and to sing and to learn and to be with other people who love God. I can't imagine but the glory of all the nations will submit to his word. Certainly this is saying that all the, all the glory that the nations have submits to this great overarching glory and all the things that God allowed different cultures of the world to accomplish, they bring their glory into this city. And it does seem like there will be these jurisdictions. You know, it's every tribe and tongue and nation, so it's not like everybody turns the color you know when we get to heaven. Right? I know that you sound really, you look sensitive about that. I mean, but it's every tribe and tongue and people. And, and it's like we're all, we're not, not all going to be Jesus colored. We'll have some kind of national distinctions that will come together. And all of it will be to the glory of God. I think that will be very, it's like flowers and birds, variegated, colorful, amazing. Interest. I think that's what it's saying. Jim Elliott, remember the story of Jim Elliott, one of the missionary martyrs in Ecuador? Jim Elliott. He, um, took, he, he, he kept a diary, the journals of Jim, fascinating book. He bought it when I was a kid, and, and I read it. And when he was doing linguistic study in the States, he was in, it was actually, it doesn't say it in his diary, but I studied and figured this out. It was in Oklahoma. He went to a college football game one day. It might have been Texas, Oklahoma, a huge college rivalry. And, and it was a, it was, the stadium was packed. And all the all the fanfare 
of, of college football and all of the glory of that, all the human glory of that. And, and, the, and the lead changed hands through the game back and forth. It was, an, it was one of the best college football games in history at the time. And, and Jim Elliott enjoyed that game. And then he went back to his quarters and he wrote in his diary this. Oh, Jesus, master and center and end of everything. How long before that glory that is thine, which has so long awaited thee, how long before that glory is thine, which has so long awaited thee, now there is no thought of thee among men, then there shall be thought for nothing else. Now other men are praised, but then none shall care for any other's merits. Hasten, hasten, glory of heaven, take thy crown, subdue thy kingdom, enthrall thy creatures. All those kinds of things that we enjoy and watch are just tiny mirrors of the great glory that we will be embedded in and enjoy and all the glory of the nations will go to bring glory to God. So that's the third thing. And the fourth thing is there'll be no closed gates and no night. That's back to 20, verse 25. Gates are just open all the time. And that obviously symbolically speaks of security and freedom of travel. Unrestricted travel and security and, and brightness and, and light. And then number five, there'll be no sin, no sinners in the New Jerusalem. Which would be extremely bad news for all of us if the slain lamb wasn't there. Because the only way a person like me could get into a place where there are no sinners is God would have to take my sin my great sin, my shameful sin, my repeated sin, to put them on someone who never sinned. That's why the Lamb has glory in heaven. And that's how you and I will get there in no other way. That's how you get your name in the Lamb's book of life. You repent of your sin. You believe that Jesus died for you. He takes all your sin on him. He puts all his righteousness on you. He welcomes you into glory there's this book of life a divine journal that records the names of all of those whom god has chosen to save who therefore possess eternal life this book talks about that book more this book revelation talks about that book more than any other place in the bible god promised once a name is recorded in the book of life it will never be removed into the first hearers here in the ancient world it would have been common for them that if your name is recorded in the book of the city and a person could remove your name and that would have devastating consequences socially and economically upon you. This was a great fear that would hang over people. John is saying through the power of the Holy Spirit to those people, your name will never be taken. When you're saved, your name will never be taken out of the book of life. You ha have you ever had Ken Rudolph come and speak at your place? Yeah. You've heard of him, right? He's like a teen speaker, spoken to thousands of kids. Years ago, Ken Rudolph was speaking at a church, and I took the teens from our church, and our daughter Holly, who's our oldest daughter, wanted to go with us. I'm an old man, and I'm repeating a story right now. That's just what I do. And so she so wanted to go with us, and she was five. And I'm like, it's a teen thing. So if you go, you've got to be really grown up. Lois did her hair up, curled, and put little ribbons in her hair and she had a green puffy coat on that night her little feet went straight out when she sat on the pew and she held she held 
hold statues still the whole time that Ken came and did his craziness. But when he got to this preaching, he got to this text and he said, he read that nothing unclean will ever enter or anyone who does what's detestable, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And when he said that, she looked up at me and her little brown eyes searched mine and she said, is my name in the book? I'm like, yeah. oh, we'll talk about it later. She said, I just need to know. She was so insistent. Her little concerned face, is my name in the, is my name in the book? I'm like, honey, we'll, we'll talk about it after we drop the kids off tonight. We had ice cream afterwards. I didn't tell her because I didn't want her to be lured by ice cream. We went down and we, we ate ice cream. And she, she didn't smile. She didn't talk. She just looked really concerned. We had a bunch of kids that take home afterward. And we're dropping kids off in the neighborhood. Out in the countryside, dropping kids off. The last kid gets out of the car. It's, a, it's an hour later. And the door goes closed. And Heidi, Holly goes, Dad, is my name in the, is my name in the book? I said, I'll explain to you how you can have your name in the book. And so all the way home, I got to give my little girl the gospel. She's a radiant Christian woman today. Her name is in the book. She got home. Remember that? We went up in the room, and then we went over again. I said, tell your mother. And she just reported everything to mom. Is your name in the book? What in the world is more important than that? Is your name in the book? The people that you love? Are there names in the book? People that you work with every day? Are they going to go out into darkness, away from God, and suffer forever? Or are they going to go soaring into the presence of God forever? Is their name in the book? I mean, this is just, this is what's up, right? I mean, you read this, this is, obviously, he wanted to comfort his people, but he also wanted to light a fire to them. Pastors, right now, the big question is, are the people going to come back to church? They'll hang out with pastors. I love pastors. But it's humorous, you know, like, are they going to come back? Is the church going to come back? You hear that among pastors. Are they going to come back? And then you hear this, you know, question, you know, will will the church come back? Um, Will, will, are they still, like, are they still out there? So it'd be easy for us to go, well, you know, our church is, you know doing well about two-thirds of the people that used to come have come back and people are watching online we understand we don't cast shade on people that are afraid for their safety we get that you know we've never done that i get to thinking about that that's really not the question will the church come back the real question is will the church go out will the church go and tell not will the church come and sit in a pew it's just wonderful that we come and we worship and and you get a pep talk every week from me Go get them. This is not the thing. This is getting you ready to go do the thing. Go find, go start something. Go find somebody. Go have a conversation. Invite somebody to coffee. Go take a pie to the neighbor. Do the kingdom stuff. People are going to hell. Or people can go to this glorious place if we tell them about this glorious place. The application here is pretty simple. One day, like C.S. Lewis said, We'll follow our great captain through the crack in the world. Don't you love that? One day we'll follow our great captain through the crack in the world. into heaven. C.S. Lewis said, all your life an unattainable ecstasy has hovered just beyond the grasp of your consciousness. 
The day is coming when you will awake to find beyond all hope that you have attained it or else that it was within your reach and you lost it forever. Randy Alcorn in his wonderful book on heaven said you were made for a person and a place. Jesus is the person and heaven is the place. Will you be with him there forever? That's the question. And what we've done here in, up to this last chapter, we've talked all about the city, and we've intentionally not talked so much about the one who makes the city what it is, because that's next week uh, on Father's Day. You, you don't want to miss that. But look at what we've said here. There's no temple, universal worship with no distractions. There's no sun and moon, universal light with no darkness, fear, ignorance, or misunderstanding. No rivals for the glory of Christ, glory without rivals. No gates or night, no danger, safe place. No sin or sinners, no defilement, it's a holy place. There's a lot of symbolism, a lot that could make you scratch your head about Revelation, but if you just read it like poetry, you can't miss. This is a place that God who loves us has prepared for us, and it is incredibly, unimaginably, inexplicably glorious and wonderful and safe and bright and satisfying and fulfilling and it's free for those who receive it as a gift through the price that Jesus paid you know that don't you you believe don't you your name is in the book isn't it then let's pray that God will bring into our lives or bring us into the lives of other people so that we can tell them how to their name can be in the book would you bow your heads and close your eyes and when you've done that i would like you to stand to your feet i'd like our prayer partners to come right now we should have two couples that are going to come our prayer partners if you come right now where are our prayer partners if you come right now thank you very much in a moment we're going to close with a benediction and if you wish you can just say hi to everybody and then head home but some of you might need a healing or you might need to be saved or you might need somebody to pray for you or you might have a, a brokenness that you just feel a heaviness about and that's why we have prayer partners here so you don't have to hurry away you can come and they will pray with you if you need further counsel we have men and women who'd be happy to give you further counsel and help and talk with you one-on-one -on -one. we can tuck you into a little group or a cluster of people that will pray with you meet with you for a few weeks if you want to whatever you need but what we want to do is we want, to leave, we want you to leave with a blessing today. So we want to pray a blessing over you right now. But, it, but don't hurry off if we can be a help to you. So let's bow our heads and let me say a blessing over you. Heavenly Father, this is the blessing that I would ask. Would you give each who have gathered here in your name the same spirit that little girl had, little Holly, when she was five, to furrow up her brow and say, oh God, is my name in the book? And then if it is, I pray that you would give us a, a inspire us with the possibility that we could tell others about that and burden us. That we would maybe, while we're doing all those other neat things that you let us do, that we would realize maybe that coon hunting or that, that fishing or, or that going to the secondhand store, whatever. It's just a way to get us out in the world where we can bump into people who need you. So use us, I pray, in a powerful way that only you can. 
so that others' names would be in the book. This is the blessing that we ask for the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.